Hey mamas, and welcome to Nutrition for Littles, a podcast dedicated to helping you raise healthy, confident, and independent eaters. I'm Alyssa, your mama in BRD. I'm a registered dietitian and mama of two. I specialize in nutrition and feeding for infants and toddlers. Nutrition is kind of my thing, and I love sharing it. But honestly, the few seconds Instagram gives me on my stories just wasn't cutting it anymore. Join me each week right here as we go deeper and tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby-led weaning, fostering a healthy relationship with food, and so much more. I'll try to be short because mom life, but I plan on giving you real life tactical advice and answering your actual questions. I will walk you through actionable strategies to help you protect and preserve your child's innate ability to listen to their bodies and eat intuitively. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 you guys. I'm so excited for today's podcast. I feel like this is one that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I had it on the docket, and then I got this amazing question from someone on Instagram. So it's not necessarily a listener question because I'm not sure she listens to the podcast, but I told her I was going to be recording this podcast and asked her if if I could use her question as a listener question. So here we go. This is the question I received, and I cannot wait to get into this with you guys today. Hopefully, I can keep it to 15 minutes, but you're going to see I get pretty passionate about this. Okay, this is from Celeste. She said, hi, I've been following you for about a week, and I find what you teach really interesting and helpful. But this has got to be the most confusing thing for me. I don't understand why we should treat all food as equal because in my mind, it's not, right? Like a cookie isn't equal to broccoli because cookies are not good for your body while broccoli is. So how do we treat special foods like special foods while also encouraging non-picky eating? If I make a special dessert, I don't want it on my plate while I'm eating dinner because it's something for the family to enjoy together later. So why should I put it on my future toddler's plate? I don't know if that makes sense, but truly I want to understand. And then a whole bunch of sweet emojis. So Celeste, first of all, thank you so much for your question. Not only was it super sweet and obviously like really well intended, um, but also because it got me to record this podcast, which I've been wanting to do for a while now. And now I can kind of direct it at this question. Hey mama, I just wanted to sneak in real quick and let you know that the waitlist to my six-week picky eating program, Table Talk, is open right now. Click the link in the description box below to get on the waitlist now. It's non-committal, but does let you know the second doors open to this limited program. Plus, being a waitlister means you get extra perks and bonuses not offered anywhere else, so it's well worth it. Okay, now back to the show. So there's a few pieces to unpack here. Um, If you're brand new to my podcast or to following me on Instagram, then you may or may not know that I talk a lot about keeping food equal. And basically what I mean by that is morally equal. So yes, you are completely right, Celeste. And anyone who's listening, a cookie is not equal to a brownie. What? (laughs) Brownie. 
<laughs> Clearly, all I want to talk about is desserts. A cookie is not equal to broccoli. They are totally different foods, different chemical makeup, obviously very different to the body. So, but this is also true for a cookie versus a brownie, right? Those are two different foods. A cookie versus maybe a gummy or even broccoli compared to zucchini or broccoli compared to celery or chicken. All foods are different. And a huge philosophy that I have here on Mama and Me RD and here on my podcast, Nutrition for Littles, is that all foods fit. So here's the thing. Yes, they are not equal, but they are morally equal, meaning you are not good or bad for eating a cookie. You are not good or bad for having a salad. Either way, you are still a good and worthy human. When we teach our kids that there are good foods and there are bad foods, they're very black and white thinkers. And by the way, so are adults. By and large, our brains are here and they want to find patterns. So when we give them these opportunities to stick labels on things like good and bad, we tend to think of it as black and white issue. When in reality, nutrition is not black and white. And unfortunately with kids, but also with adults, when we hear that things are either good or bad, we tend to internalize them. And it goes from this food is good or this food is bad to I am good or I am bad. We don't want to equate morality with what types of foods that our children choose to eat once they're older or what foods we choose to eat. So this is gonna get a little meta here, I guess, but I actually have a podcast dedicated to this. It's called Diet Riot Podcast. I would love it if you went over there and subscribed to it. It helps adults so much um, unpack their relationship with food and actually get back to a place where they are not equating morality with good or bad or healthy and unhealthy foods. Um, so definitely go check that out if you want to learn that more about yourself, which I do think is a crucial stepping stone or um, place to start when then teaching this to our kids. We can't teach our kids something that we don't believe for ourselves, right? We see this monkey see monkey do no matter what we say to our kids. Typically, they follow suit in what our actions say. So just a quick plug for that other podcast out there that you can learn so much more about. I actually host it with a best friend of mine who's also a dietitian, and it's just really helpful. So go check that out for sure. I'll link it in the show notes below. But anyways, back to kids specifically, they tend to internalize these feelings as a reflection of who they are, right? We see this with parenting when they choose to continue to climb on the coffee table and we say, hey, that's bad behavior. You're going to your room or I'm going to take away this toy or it kind of becomes a parenting issue of the kid then is not sure if they're bad or their behavior is bad. We try really hard, right, in parenting to distinction to make a distinction between their behavior and who they are as a person. So with not attributing good or bad or labels to food, this can be really helpful in them de determining for themselves what foods feel good in their body and what feels bad in their body without being told. Which brings me to my main point that we want to foster a healthy relationship to foods, to all foods in our kids. And the only way we can do that is by not giving them labels that our kids don't understand. Nutrition is extremely nuanced, and that is putting it really lightly. To try to explain that to our kids, oftentimes we have to dumb it down, quote unquote, to a place of good, bad, healthy, unhealthy. But again, like I said, kids tend to then internalize this. 
So what we need to do, and honestly, this is true for us adults as well, is take away the stigma or the thought or the label of good and bad and let them experience it on their own. Now, as the parents and at least having some semblance of nutrition education, although I go way deeper into it in my picky eating program, Table Talk, where I literally give you what your kid needs and how to meet those needs and We do like a deep dive in nutrition, but generally as parents, we know what types of foods they need more of, what type of foods they might need less of, and how their body might respond to it. But everyone is really different and unique to how they respond, right? I might respond really well to a ton of dairy, whereas the person next to me might get really bloated and feel uncomfortable every time they eat dairy. So dairy, that doesn't make dairy a bad food, but maybe it's not the best for them, whereas it might be a really good choice for me. I hope that kind of makes sense. But here's the thing with kids. We are still in control of what foods and what food groups are offered on the plate. They are in charge then of deciding how much from that plate offered they eat. Then from there, we let them experience almost the consequences of their actions, not in a negative way, not hoping that they get like intense stomach cramps cramps or diarrhea or are up all night throwing up or anything like that. But we do let them experience what those foods feel like inside their body and how it feels to eat to a place of fullness. Maybe they're overfull, maybe they didn't fill up quite enough, and they learn from that behavior over time, and they get more and more in tune with their body. It is really hard to get in tune with your body and learn if this food treats you well, or maybe it doesn't treat you so well, or maybe you overate, or maybe you underate. While someone's yelling in your ear, that's unhealthy, that's unhealthy, that's unhealthy, that's unhealthy, that's bad for you, that's bad for you, that's bad for you, right? It's really hard to concentrate on what's happening inside your body when something's been labeled and that's all you can think about. Not to mention the fact that the studies are pretty much clear at this point that what we restrict in our life, we will crave or we will want. And a lot of times, especially we see this with adults, they binge. And with kids as well, we see when we don't give them access to certain foods, they go over to a friend's house and the friend has foods that their parents don't allow in their house and the kid goes crazy for it, right? They're eating it all day, all night and can't get enough. This is because it is human nature. For example, you might walk past a wall that any normal day you would walk past and not think about touching it or even looking at it. It probably didn't cross your mind. And yet when you stick a um, big poster on it that says wet paint, please don't touch, immediately you want to touch it or test it or look at it really closely and think, is it really wet? Are they lying to me? And you immediately want to test those boundaries. This is human innate nature. So this is really common. And what ends up happening when we label foods good or bad is when they eat foods that are bad, quote unquote, it actually leads to a feeling of guilt, shame, embarrassment. When we feel guilt, shame, and embarrassment, we try to make up for it by being good. When we try to be good, that means restricting our bad foods. And when we restrict, we end up binging or craving the foods that are bad. So it actually creates a dynamic in foods that are actually at odds with each other rather than just keeping them on an equal playing field. So instead, our kids go through these huge pendulum swings of good versus bad, binging versus restricting. So we just want to keep the playing field level. Now, a few other reasons for this is if we take a few steps back, we know that what we have labeled labeled as bad foods in the past are now 
good again. And it cycles through. So for example, eggs used to be labeled as bad. You're only supposed to have like one a day, maybe one a week at one point. And um, now we know that eggs are actually quite healthy and that dietary cholesterol doesn't necessarily influence our um, blood cholesterol. And same thing with butter, right? Butter used to be a totally demonized food and everyone switched out for margarine. And now we know that margarine is synthetic and probably should be avoided at all costs. And butter is actually the healthy alternative. So here's the thing is once we start labeling things as good or bad, A, it it backs nutrition into a corner. <laughs> it gives you an idea or something to hold on to a label that is often really hard to let go of, even when the science changes, even when you learn something new. And so instead of attributing any value to it in the moment, the best that we can or label to it in the moment, we just see these foods as foods that either work well for us or don't work well. And we continue to be curious, knowing that things change all the time. And we want to give our kids this same experience. Not to mention the fact that healthy or unhealthy or good or bad is different literally for every person. So an example I love to share with you guys is granola. So inside of, we have a membership program with Diet Riders and inside our membership, a member was sharing about how she viewed granola as this like junk food, this really unhealthy food. And she used to binge on it all the time and she loved it. And I always viewed granola as like a health food and a good food. And I never wanted to eat it because I thought it tasted like cardboard and I didn't think it was very delicious. And it's just interesting that our perspectives of whether that was a good food for you or a bad food for you changed how we felt around it. She felt really out of control around it because it was a bad food that she restricted. And so anytime that she did give herself access to that food, she would eat a ton of it when she could. I felt the exact opposite. I almost never used granola because I thought it was gross and it was this health food that no one really liked. Everyone would rather be eating cereal. <laughs> and I just thought it was such a good indicator that when we label foods, we have a relationship to those foods that has changed based on that label. So personal experiences is also a huge factor in this. Like I said, different foods can mean different things to different people. So letting our kids experience them experience this for themselves within reason, right? As always, we are still in control of things that go on the plate. I think sometimes moms miss that point when I talk about this, like, okay, so I'm just supposed to let them have like free range over the pantry, free range over the cookie jar. No, you're still in control of setting up those balanced meals and choosing when you want to give them exposure to some of these more special foods or dessert type foods. So specifically in Celeste's question, she said, well, I don't want to put the the dessert on my plate, and I view it as kind of a food to be enjoyed separately as a family. This is totally fine. However, you want to however you want to structure the situation. Sometimes I recommend putting the food directly on their plate. That doesn't mean it has to go on your plate. Maybe it goes on the table, um, and it's just kind of it's not given this like pedestal, right? So when we offer dessert after the meal. Oftentimes what this does is it's actually putting it on a pedestal to say this is a special food. It should hold more value than any food on your plate. And that's what actually makes kids feel like they want to feel special. They want desserts to feel like it's a special time with mom and dad. And instead of making it about the food, we want to make it about the experience with the family. So, and not to mention that when we're trying to teach them how to tune into their hunger and fullness cues, which kids are really innate, like innately attuned to, 
we are creating a situation where they tune out of their hunger and fullness cues because we say, hey, finish your food until you're full. Maybe we tell them to take three more bites. Maybe we tell them to finish their plate. And then they're like, okay, and now here's a cookie because you finished your plate, which is basically telling them to push past fullness in the efforts of eating this cookie, in the excitement of eating this cookie or whatever that looks like. So just a reminder here that it's actually sending sometimes a mixed message. That doesn't mean that all desserts shouldn't should be offered on the plate necessarily. Of course, there are times that you want to go out to ice cream as a family, and that's totally fine and done with flexibility, right? It's consistency over um, the special occasion. So we want to be more consistent with keeping foods on an equal playing field the best that we can, rather than constantly putting it on a pedestal or making it this special experience. Which also goes to say that dessert-type foods or more fun foods, as I like to call them, more junk foods like most people call them, those foods deserve a place in our life as well, right? Like there is a certain level of comfort that comes from comfort foods. So yes, it might not be the healthiest or the most nutrient dense foods, but it might feed our soul or it might give us, you know, a taste of home or might give us something else that only food can do. But again, we don't want to teach our kids that the only way to feel good or the only way to um, process through their emotions is to use food to cope. We want to give them lots of different coping skills, but that doesn't mean that food isn't one of them. I hope that makes sense. I know that's kind of a lot, but I just want to remind you of that. Not to mention the fact that even quote unquote good foods are no longer good in large amounts. We don't want to be feeding our kids broccoli, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack every day so much so that they're getting so much fiber that they're not actually absorbing their food. So there is a balance to be struck here that we want to make sure we are sticking in the middle of. All this to say is that this is the philosophy that I stand by, that the research supports, and I do believe that this is setting your child up with a healthy relationship to food so that hopefully later in life they feel more comfortable listening to their body rather than someone on the internet or someone trying to sell them something that just won't work in the long term and doesn't take in consideration their body specifically. So this is my goal with my Instagram and my podcast is to give you the tools to raise independent, healthy eaters that eat according to their body and their needs and don't obsess over food or have a um, stricken relationship with food or their body. So this is what I see as the best way to get to that point. All right. And just a reminder again, and I know I've said this, but you are still in control of what goes on the plate when, how things are served. My um, my advice to you is just to not make desserts or fun food a big deal. We respond the same way. And that's because our toddlers especially cannot understand the nuances of nutrition And truly, I promise you the day will come that you can get into the nitty gritty of what the difference is between broccoli and a cookie. But at two, three, four, even five years old, it's really not the time. I honestly don't recommend trying to teach nutrition in any real way until at least five or six. And even then we're starting with like super basics and focusing more on the positives than what we would consider the negatives or the bad. So we want to focus on what food does do for our body and really focus on those nutrient-dense foods rather than the non-nutrient foods. So of course, as I believe and as I will always stand firmly by, all foods fit. And I do believe that raising kids in this manner will give them a full opportunity to experience how foods feel inside their body. And I think we all know that 
our bodies do respond well to foods that are balanced and that keep us regular and all of those sorts of things. But that's a conversation for another day. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope this answered a lot of your guys' questions out there and Celeste, you as well. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, please reach out to me with any questions or comments and we can continue having this conversation because I believe it is such an important one. If this episode was helpful for you, I do hope that you subscribe because it really does help my show out to reach more moms like you and help them. But specifically this episode, if you found it helpful, and I I think a lot of you might kind of connect the dots on this one, um, send it to a friend. I think the more people that hear this message, the better for not only only us as moms <laughs> to make life easier, honestly, but also to raise a generation that all kind of have a similar philosophy. I think that'll be really helpful in moving the younger generation into a life that maybe they're less susceptible to the diet culture crap that's out there, <laughs> to put it kindly. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mama, for being here. Sorry this episode ran a little bit long, but I think it was well worth it. It's an important topic and an important conversation to have. So I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review. You can find more from me on Instagram at MomAndMeRD. And please feel free to send me any questions or comments you may have by emailing me at Alyssa at MomAndMeRD.com. Until next time, mamas. <laughs>